This week, we're doing something special. I'm actually sharing a video from my latest Thursday Night Rights class. This is the free class that I do every Thursday night. Um, but this particular lecture I felt was so timely and so important that I wanted to share it with everyone on the podcast. So uh, you'll notice we had some sound issues. So the sound is not as good as you would normally expect from the podcast, but I think you will get a lot of value out of this content and hopefully it will affect your writing for the better. And if you do the exercise and you'd like to share our results, you can find us at the JK studio and you can share your results there and get feedback from our community. Thank you so much and enjoy. Okay. So I went to see Top Gun Maverick a couple of days ago and I had an amazing time. And then I got really angry. I got really angry and it's not a popular thing to say. Everybody loves this movie. It's not a popular thing to say, but I got really angry. Uh, I got really angry because I think it's such a missed opportunity, right? Um, because the movie has dumbed down war to a place where we can all feel so good about it, right? Where there are no consequences, there is no death, there's not even Goose's death, right? Um, there are no consequences to being a maverick and refusing to follow any rule, right? And Anybody in charge is a total idiot. And the girl that you've wronged again and again and again is still gonna be there waiting for you forever, for apparently for the last 30 years, right? And, uh, and nothing we do is gonna have any freaking consequences. I think part of the reason Top Gun is doing well is for exactly that reason, right? Like all of us want to escape right now, right? Who doesn't want to escape? But yeah, we can get into formulaic too, Leslie. I have a lot to say about that. And you can't sell Top Gun Maverick. Uh, you can't follow a formula that predictable and succeed unless you happen to own a franchise that everyone in the world is nostalgic for. Uh, but outside of that, screw that. It's a joyride. It gives you the joy you're looking for, but it's a missed opportunity because it's actually a piece about drones, right? It's actually a piece about like who we're becoming as America right? It's actually a piece that could be about what's the difference between being the pilot in the pilot seat, making decisions based on what you know is right and wrong, right? And being a drone, following a plan where you, there is no feeling in war, right? Where you are playing a video game. And the, the script starts out with that promise, right? It starts out like, I'm going to do that, right? Maverick, you're the old guard. We're getting rid of you. We don't need pilots anymore. We got drones, right? And in fact, we have a mission that probably should be flown by drones, considering the pilots keep blacking out from the G-forces, right? But the, the movie promises that it's going to tell us why, why it's important to have a human being with a conscience. In other words, the movie is promising to be a few good men. And the movie is a couple of tweaks away from a few good men. And I would suggest to you all that what we need right now is not an escapist romp, even though that might make a lot of money. What we need right now is a few good men in the freaking air. Um, because all writing is political. And I don't care even if you disagree with me and you completely, I don't care if you're pro-life, 
I don't care what your political views are. All writing is political. Your script is political. And Top Gun Maverick is political because it sets the world for people that says war doesn't hurt. It set, which is even worse than the first Top Gun, right? At least Goose dies. It, it sets the rules for people saying there are no consequences to your actions, right? And by the way, don't pay attention to the rules. Don't pay attention to the people in charge. They are so stupid that whatever crazy idea you have is probably right. Um, and there's a part of me that thinks a lot of people storming the Capitol on January 6th were thinking exactly that. Um, and so the movie made me angry, but it also gave me an idea, which is to help you guys figure out the political side of your writing. So today's exercise, I don't really care if you are writing a movie that is overtly political. Uh, when I wrote the Matthew Shepard story, that was an overtly political movie. Or if you are writing a goofy action movie, you're writing Guardians of the Galaxy. It may seem like just a goofy action movie, but it's actually a meditation on loss, right? And therefore it means something and therefore it says something and therefore it moves people. So whether you're writing, or it could be an idea for a brand new piece, but we're gonna do a series of exercises today that help you find this. Now, Charlie, I do wanna answer your question. There's a reason Top Gun has been sanded down to a place where it can offend nobody. There's a reason why all those edges have been removed, right? Because we live in a divided world. You don't wanna alienate the Republicans, but you also don't wanna alienate the Democrats. You don't wanna alienate the moderates, but you also don't wanna alienate the radicals. You want everybody in the world to come see this movie. And it is often the case that, that producers will try to rub the edges off. And your job as a writer is to go do exactly what Shakespeare did and go, oh, sure, yeah, happy to work with you there. Let me sneak the meaning in, let me sneak the meaning in, let me sneak the meaning in. Um, because meaning in screenwriting doesn't come from getting on the soapbox. Meaning actually comes from your character's journey. So a, a writer who cared could tell the same story about the faceless enemy who's just doing bad nuclear stuff, who you'll never see. And you know, the pilots, when you blow up a pilot in one of these crazy planes, they just magically parachute out so even they don't get to die. You could write that movie and you could make something out of the fact that we don't know them. You could make something, you could make Tom Cruise deal with the fact that he doesn't know them, that he's kind of translated them into just the, the enemy. And there are moments where they almost do it. There's this great moment. So there's this whole like, do don't think theme, which again, might be good at times if you're trying to break through like a creative block is probably not the best advice for fighter pilots. But um, there's this great moment between uh, uh, Maverick and, and Rooster where Maverick goes, what were you thinking? And, and Rooster goes, you told me not to think, right? And it's the only moment of the movie that's actually real. That's actually de discussing and developing that question. Um, the meaning in your script doesn't, you can sand off all the shit the producers want you to sand off and you can still have meaning in your script because the meaning is delivered in the character's journey 
Whatever the main character's journey is, that is the story that the audience is going to tell themselves about what does it mean to be a hero. And that's true even if you're writing an anti-hero. When people watch Walter White, when people watch The Godfather, they are learning a version of what it means to be a hero. And so what we do as screenwriters is we allow the audience to go, that's me up there. And by taking a character on a journey, we allow our audience to go on a journey that changes them. So one of the issues that, uh, <laughs> do you need to give them a hard time on my behalf? Uh, no, you don't wanna blow that relationship. <laughs> uh, but when you get to work with them, come talk to me, Charlie, and we will talk about how to sneak some meaning in there under the surface. So we're gonna talk about, um, oh, there are, Aaron, I'm not saying that, that Maverick isn't a successful film. I'm saying it made me angry, right? Uh, I'm not saying it doesn't do everything it wanted to do and doesn't give the audience a much better experience than a lot of the shitty movies out there. Uh, it's a tight script and it does the things it's supposed to do. Um, I just think when everyone in the world is gonna see you, wouldn't it be nice if you actually helped change them, right? Wouldn't it be nice if you left them just a little bit better than they were when they sat down to watch? And I don't think that the writers would have had to sacrifice anything in their story to actually do that. Um, but yeah, Aaron, it's a tight script. No doubt about it. It's a successful script. So I'm angry, but we're going to get past anger because one of the mistakes that a lot of angry scripts make, and I've written them, especially in college, one of the mistakes that political scripts make is uh, often their goal is to raise awareness. Their goal is to get you to go, man, that makes me angry. Uh, this is true even like if you saw many years ago an Inconvenient Truth, which is still inconveniently very, very true. You get to the end of Inconvenient Truth and you are whipped into a further, you're like fervor, you're like, I need to save the world. But then the film doesn't tell you what to do. So all this awareness is raised, but no action is raised. So when I'm writing a political film or political show, and again, every film is political and every show is political, even if it's way under the surface, right? Every show is teaching people how to live or not live life. Um, the first question I ask myself is, what is the action step that I want somebody to take after watching my film or show? So this is the first step of your writing exercise. You're just going to take three minutes and think of like, what is the, so like, I'll give you an example. In the Matthew Shepard story, I wanted mom to pick up the phone and call her kid. I wanted a mom who had maybe kind of had a don't ask, don't tell policy with her child about their sexuality. I wanted her to pick up the phone and call her kid. Um, and I'll talk later about how I did that. So for right now, what is the action step that you, it could be, it doesn't have to be super political. It could be like, I want them to make peace with their anger. I want them to do something that makes them happy. I want them to, you know, uh, to do, take a step to, to notice something they haven't noticed before, right? It doesn't have to be a super active action step, but what is the action step that you want them to take? So take just three minutes 
just to free write about what is the action step you would like an audience member to take after watching your film or show. If you're having a hard time finding that action step, think of like something really small, something tiny that would just add, just make things just a teeny tiny bit better. If everybody did it, maybe it would make things a lot better. Okay, so here is the next step of this exercise. Um, the next step of this exercise is to ask yourself, who is the audience you think you can actually transform? Who is the audience that you think will go with you? So the reason that I am asking that question is I think too often we, um, we want to change everybody, right? And we end up tilting at windmills, right? Um, you got to ask yourself who, like, so when I was writing Matthew Shepard, I didn't, wasn't writing for the gay audience because quite frankly, they already knew. And what the hell did I have to tell them that they didn't already know much better than me, a straight man, right? So I'm not writing for them. And I also wasn't writing for dad, even though dad has a great journey in that movie. Um, I wasn't writing for dad because I didn't think dad would tune in to watch the movie. I just didn't think I could get him. And I didn't, wasn't writing for bigots. I, I didn't think that I could get the bigot to tune in and watch the Matthew Shepard story. I just thought there's no way they're watching that movie. Not the person who's actively homophobic. I didn't think I could change them. Not, I, cause I didn't, I thought if they could watch it, they might change them, but I didn't think they were gonna watch it. But I thought, you know who might watch it? I thought the mom, the mom who feels like a little estranged from her kid, who feels like she's a good mom, right? But feels a little bit estranged because she's uncomfortable with her child's sexuality, right? She's maybe thinks don't ask, don't tell is the right way to handle that, right? And she's inadvertently cut herself off from her child, right? And I thought, I think I can get her to tune in. Because I think she's wondering, why do I feel so distant? And I think she's wondering, is my kid okay? And so she was my audience. So I want you to take just a couple of minutes to write about who's your audience? Who do you think you can actually get to take the action step? And you know, if you're like, I am going to seek out you know, neo-Nazis, great. How are you going to get them? But who's going to tune into your show, your movie? that you can actually change. And how are you gonna get them? How are you gonna get them to watch so that they can go on this journey? This is why I'm so angry about Maverick because everyone wants to watch it, right? All the people who most need Maverick to take them on that kind of journey are watching Maverick. We are the shapers of the mythology of tomorrow, right? And there are a bunch of people shaping mythology with, with fiction. We're gonna use fiction to shape the mythology with truth. And that doesn't mean your truth is true for everybody, but it means your truth is true for you. Um, this is the first time I've ever done this exercise with a group and uh, I need to do it all the time. Uh, I'm, I, it's so heartening to see the beautiful people that are in this room. Okay, so here's the next step. This is the dreamers and innovators. Awesome, Charlie. Okay, here's the next one. This is the hard one, right? How are you gonna meet them where they are? See, often our instinct 
is to get on our soapbox and show people how they're supposed to be. But when you start off by showing somebody how they're supposed to be, you often lose the opportunity for them to go, that's me up there, right? Um, and uh, when you lose the opportunity to get people to go, that's me up there, you lose the ability to actually affect that change. You just become another annoying person on a soapbox going, you're wrong, right? Um, and what ends up happening is there's nothing wrong with preaching to the choir, right? If your goal is to get you know, people who think like you to rise up and do something crazy, maybe you want to speak to the choir. Um, but usually speaking to the choir is not the right call. Usually you want to speak to the people who need you. And that means that you are ahead of them. They are not in the place that you're at. Because if they were, they wouldn't need the movie. And by the way, sometimes in the course of writing the movie or the show, you realize I'm not in the place I want to be at, right? Maybe that's why I need to write the movie. Maybe I have not arrived at who I think I'm supposed to be, right? Or maybe even that conception as well. So for example, in the Matthew Shepard story, and this is the scariest thing that I did. Um, when I met Judy Shepard, Judy Shepard said to me very clearly, I have no regrets about my parenting. I know I was a good mom. Uh, I know Matthew, I love Matthew. I know uh, Matthew loved me. Um, and I knew that that's where she had to start. But I knew she couldn't stay there. Because if at the end of the movie, Judy is still going, I know I was a good mom. Mom's not going to pick up the phone. Mom's going to pat herself on the back and say, Yep, I did a good job. Now, one thing you want to know, I will never lie to make a political point. I like to be able to look at myself in the mirror. So um, I will never write something that I don't believe is true just because it serves my politics. The question that I was asking during the two weeks I spent, or I'm sorry, the one week that I spent with Judy was, does she have regrets that she is not conscious about? And the clue that I got was when she told me what she was saying when she traveled around uh, to speak. And what she was saying was, I have no, uh, she, she was saying, um, don't tolerate your children, embrace them. And I thought, well, there's only one reason that a mom who's just lost her kid travels around the country saying, don't tolerate your children, embrace them. I bet she feels like she tolerated him instead of embracing him. And that's just too hard of a thing for her to confront at this moment. And so I met her where she was. When we met Judy in my script, she is in that place of, I was a good mom who was wronged. This was taken from me and I want the death penalty for the person who did it. Over the course of the story, I move her to the place and Dennis to the place where they look at each other and they say, we failed him. Because that's the moment that's gonna make mom pick up the phone. Watching a bad mom fail him isn't gonna do it because mom's just gonna go, well, that's not me. But watching a good mom realize she failed her son by not asking the question, that's gonna do it. So this is the next question. How are you gonna meet your target audience where they are? And we're gonna combine that with part four because we're running out of time. 
Part four is how are you going to use that? How are you going to sculpt the structure of your character's journey in order to create that change? So Jose, you can go ahead and post part four too. We're going to take the last few minutes to put that in. And then unlike usual, where we share one, I want you to chat these all in because I want to see all of them. You guys are awesome. Your words have the power to change people. Please hang out in the breakout rooms, connect, and I will see you all next week. I love you guys. Thank you.